Hello, and welcome to First Importance, the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis, Arkansas. Our prayer today is that you will be blessed and encouraged by the message to come. It's always a pleasure to fill in for the pastor. Uh, I particularly am grateful for this opportunity, particularly to this uh, to this church. I, I'm grateful for the opportunity to fill in for any pastor. I feel it a great honor, but particularly my pastor. And so I thank Brother Josh for asking me, and I'm so glad to help him out. <clears throat> and I know that you'll be in prayer for him. And uh, he's very, very much prayerful about, uh, uh, about filling the positions that are opening up in our staff, and, and particularly this matter of uh, Brother John's farewell. And, and he wants to try to assure the youth that uh, things are going to go on and uh, and we'll uh, continue as the Lord leads us in, in finding someone to replace him. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, the study is going to be in Jeremiah chapter 36. A very interesting account in the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 36. It's a count what I call shredding the word of God. I'm going to read the closing verses of this chapter, even though really it involves the whole chapter, the story about uh, shredding the Word of God. But in the, in the closing verses, I read this in verse 27. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, after that the king had burned the roll, and the words which Baruch wrote at the mouth of Jeremiah, saying, Take thee again another roll. And write it in all the former words that were in the first row, which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, had burned. And thou shalt say to Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast burned this row, saying, Why hast thou written therein, saying, The king of Babylon shall certainly come and destroy this land, and shall cause to cease from thence man and beast? Therefore saith the Lord of Je the Lord of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, He shall have none to sit upon the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out in the day to the heat and the and the night to the frost. And I will punish him and his seed and his servants for their iniquity, and I will bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon the men of Judah all the evil that I have pronounced against them, but they hearkened not. Then took Jeremiah another roll and gave it to Baruch the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote therein from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the book which Jehoiakim king of Judah had burned in the fire, and there were added besides unto them many like words. Now here's the story. This is really near the end of, of, of uh, Judah. Uh, the northern kingdom, the, uh, the, ten, the ten tribes in the north, that was known as Israel, sometimes called Ephraim, sometimes uh, uh, just referred to as Israel. The northern kingdom had already ceased to exist. Jeremiah was one of the last prophets uh, before the time of the restoration, and uh, he had a very difficult message to bring to the nation of Judah. Jehoiakim was king at the time. Jehoiakim was the son of a very good king. 
you read the closing years of the kingdom of Judah, you'll find this, this phenomenon. You'll find a good king. Unfortunately, his son would be a bad king. That is, one who did not serve Jehovah. And Josiah was one of those good kings. In fact, there was a revival that took place in the time of Josiah. But because of the sins of the kings that followed him, his son and others, God had pronounced judgment upon Judah. And Jeremiah was the prophet that God used to bring judgment upon Judah. And Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet because Jeremiah wept because of the destruction that was going to come. God's patience had worn out. He had pronounced judgment upon the nation. And Jeremiah's message was to pronounce that message of judgment and tell the king, just surrender to Babylon because God had already delivered you in the hand of Babylon. And, of course, that wasn't a popular message. And, uh, and God told Jeremiah to write in a book, write that uh, prophecy in the book. And he uh, gave, it, gave the message to his scribe by the name of Baruch, and he wrote it down. And, uh, and then he was told to go read that book to the nation of Judah. And not only that to the nation of Judah, but to special groups, the princes and the leaders. And finally the word got to the king Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim insisted that the book be brought to him and be read to him. And it was done that way by, the, by, a, by an officer in the king's court by the name of Jehuda. And uh, as he read, he cut part of it off, threw it in the fire. Read it again, he cut part off, threw it in the fire until the whole scroll was consumed. Now that's the story. And so I want to speak to you about the matter of shredding the Word of God. The first thing I want you to see is God's Word written. In the first verses of chapter 36, you find this instruction. In fact, we saw it again in the closing verses of chapter 36. But in the first verses of chapter 36, And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all the words, all the words which I have spoken unto thee against Israel and against Judah and against all the nations from the day I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah unto this day. Write it down. The Word of God written. Now, when I read this account, I, it causes me to reflect upon how we got the Bible. You see, there are three words that I think you need to understand about its relationship to the Bible. There's the word revelation, the word inspiration, and the word illumination. Now, it all has to do with the written Word of God. Revelation is God's truth made known. It occurs before it's actually written down. In fact, there was revelation years and years and years before it was ever written down. The first writer, the first books that we have, the first recorded Word of God that we have is called the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and the writer was Moses. And Moses wrote it down uh, centuries after the truth was given. The, first, the, the truth was preserved, first of all, through oral tradition. 
but it was necessary to have it written down. But revelation occurred first. Now, the revelation in this passage, God spoke to Jeremiah. God gave the message to Jeremiah. That's revelation. And then he said to Baruch, write it down. Now, we not, we're not told, but throughout the rest of the Scriptures, particularly in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we find that Baruch was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Inspiration is the Word of God or the truth of God recorded. Revelation, it's given. Inspiration, it's recorded, written down. Now, illumination is the understanding of the Word of God. Now, all of this is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit revealed, the Holy Spirit recorded, and now it's through the Holy Spirit that we understand the Word of God. And here in this passage, we have that particular uh, trace, tracing of how we got the Scriptures. It was revealed to Jeremiah through the voice of God. Jeremiah was instructed Baruch to write it down, but we, we believe that Baruch wrote it down through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now he's going to read it to the audience, and the audience was given understanding, and the truth that was recorded here was a very unpleasant truth. The Word of God written. Now it is necessary, it was necessary in all of this for God's Word to be written. It had to be written in order to certify the truth of God. You know, even in our uh, everyday life, we want things in writing. I talk to a lot of these telemarketers, particularly these uh, Medicare people, and they talk about the benefits uh, that I'm missing out on. I said, you send me something in writing. I want it written down where I can see and we have documents, uh, and it's necessary. If you're going to have any kind of uh, legal suits against you, you want something written down. And God has written down. We don't have to depend upon hearsay. Uh, oral tradition was used of God to preserve the Scripture for many years, but it needs to be written down so that, we, that, so that the Word of God can be certified. The Word of God needs to be written down in order for us to... Uh, have answers to questions that we might have. And just as Jesus often answered questions by, it is written, it is written, it is written. And so God wrote it down. And here is an incident where part of the Word of God was written down. This is how we got the whole Bible. Uh, it was revealed, the truth was revealed. Then God's Spirit inspired, guided individuals to write it down, to record it for us that we might be assured of the truth. God's Word written. And then there's God's Word proclaimed. Baruch was instructed to write it down, but Jeremiah said, now you go and read this to uh, the people. It's necessary for the Word of God to be published, to be proclaimed. And here in this particular account, you find the Word of God proclaimed uh, in the public in a public fashion. And, uh, you know, uh, some people don't see any need of coming to church and hearing a preacher preach. But it's necessary for this word to be proclaimed to audiences. And obviously it, could, it can be proclaimed to individuals, but particularly a public 
a public proclamation. You go where the people are and you read this book to the people. And there is an inclusiveness about it. Not only is it to be written to people, but it's to be written to all the people. The Word of God is for everyone. Note in verse 6. Well, verses 5 and 6. And Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I'm shut up. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. Therefore go thou and read in the roll which thou hast written from my mouth the words of the Lord in the ears of the people in the Lord's house upon the fasting day. And also thou shalt read them to the ears of all Judah. Not just to a special group, but to all Judah. It to, there is to be, a, there to be a public proclamation. There's to be an inclusive proclamation, including everybody. And then he states the purpose of the public proclamation of the Word of God. It may be, he said, it may be, in verse 7, that they will present their supplication before the Lord and will return everyone from his evil way, for great is the anger and the fury that God hath pronounced against this people. The purpose of proclamation is for people to turn to the Lord. If there's sin involved, it's the confession of sin, repentance. And that's the purpose of this particular proclamation that uh, Jeremiah gave to Baruch. So the Word of God proclaimed. And then we come to a sad thing. There's the Word of God rejected. You see, Baruch was to proclaim it in a public way to all Judah. But then it was heard from by some of the leadership in Judah, some of the scribes, some of the people that handled the, what scriptures that were known at that particular time. And then the princes, the political leaders, heard about this message that, Jer that uh, Baruch had proclaimed that was from Jeremiah the prophet in the public scene. And so they wanted to know about it. And so they gathered the princes together. To hear what this word, that this book that had been written, and uh, then the king heard about it. Jehoiakim heard about it. He had a young officer by the name of Jehuda, and he sent Jehuda to the meeting that the princes had, and he heard the word that was written in this scroll, and he was commanded to take it to the king, and he took it to the king. And read it to the king. And as he read it, piece by piece, Jehuda's penknife took and cut that piece out and threw it in the fire. And one by one, that scroll was cut to pieces and burned and destroyed. The word of God rejected. You know, the word of God is is not the most popular thing that society delights in. In fact, uh, the Word of God is widely rejected today. There are different kinds of pen knives that are used to cut up the Word of God and seek to destroy it. There's the what I call the pen knife of agnosticism. Now, an agnostic is someone that says he doesn't know and can, nobody can know. And so the Word of God is said to be fable and superstition. And 
and the penknife of agnosticism seeks to destroy the Word of God and certainly is one that rejects the Word of God. There's the penknife the pen of liberal theology. Now here's what liberal theology does. They like to accept, accept a part of the Bible, but other parts of the Bible they cut out and throw in the fire. For example, liberalism always has liked the ethical and moral tone of the Scriptures. For example, the New Testament. They like the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, they like the ethical passages that you find in the New Testament. But anything that has to do with sin and, and, and the supernatural, they cut out and throw away. Uh, they, don't, they don't accept the supernatural. They don't accept the supernatural nature of the Bible. And so they use the penknife and cut that out and in a sense and throw it in the fire, the modern furnaces of today. The penknife of liberal theology. And there's the penknife of what I call cultural relativity. Now that might not mean much to you, but here's what it means. There are those who say that the Bible is culturally conditioned and thus cannot be applied to people of modern times. Let me give you an example. It's not going to be too popular for some of you, I suppose, but uh, what the Bible teaches about the role of women in the church. There's no question that you find statements about the limited role of women in public worship of the church. But there are those who say that this has to be culturally understood. This applies back to the first century. But in our day of modern times, when you have the, uh, the uh, women liberation, uh, feminism, we have to reapply that. It's not applicable to modern times. And that's said in a lot of other uh, issues with reference to how cultural relativism takes a penknife and cuts out certain portions of the Bible and throws it into the fire. And then there's what I call the penknife of personal convenience. That is, we like to take certain portions of the Bible that we agree with and abide by it and believe it and practice it. But then there are other portions of the Bible that we simply ignore or sometimes even question whether it applies to us. But whether it's the penknife of agnosticism, the penknife of classical liberalism, or the penknife of cultural relativity, or the penknife of personal convenience, it's still very much like King Jehoiakim taking the penknife of Jehuda and cutting the scriptures and casting them into the fire. The Word of God rejected. I did a foolish thing one time. I told the uh, joy seekers in their banquet uh, last week that uh, I was going to try to sometimes tell them about the high experiences and the, bloop, uh, the bloopers of my more than 60 years of ministry. And uh, some of the bloopers would be embarrassing and not appropriate for a mixed audience, by the way. But one of my bloopers was I was 
I just started preaching, pastoring my first church. In fact, it was my home church in Greenway. And I was talking about how a lot of folks say they believe the Bible, but only that which pleases them. And so I took, took got me an old edition, of, a cheap edition of the Bible. Uh, I don't know where I've got it. I don't know what I think I bought it. I thought I just found it. And I, for example, read Malachi 3.10. Bring you all the styes in the storehouse. And I said, y'all don't believe that. And I just tore the page out and threw it down on the floor. And I went through a lot of issues like that, you know, that, that uh, were very popular. And I shredded that little Bible while I preached. If I had not been a hometown boy, I'm sure I'd have been fired uh, for that church by desecrating the Scriptures. But you see, that's how we sometimes do the Bible. And so there are the pen knives that we use today in shredding the Word of God. And then finally, there's the Word of God established. The king thought he had destroyed the scroll. And so the word got back to Jeremiah that uh, the king had shredded the scroll and had thrown it in the fire and destroyed it. But uh, God gave it back to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah gave it back to Baruch. And Baruch wrote it back down on a scroll. And not only that, but someone's added to it. A personal judgment of Jehoiakim was included in that second writing of the scroll. And I say this, dear, cla uh, dear uh, <laughs> class, I'm thinking about my Sunday school class and my classes in, co in seminary, I say this, dear folks, that uh, people can reject the Word of God. They can seek to destroy it, but it can never be destroyed. In fact, it'll come back and judge you one of these days. And so here was the account. Write it again. And I read you the verses where Jeremiah was instructed, gave the, gave the word to Baruch, and Baruch was instructed to write it down and added to it. The word of God abides forever. There have been many attempts to ban the word of God, to destroy the word of God. In fact, one of the early attempts was before the New Testament times. I think Brother Josh mentioned on one of his messages on Wednesday night, a king by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes IV. He was a Greek king. He was one of the kings that uh, uh, followed Alexander the Great, and his portion was given uh, Jerusalem, Palestine. And the Jews rebelled against him, and he went into Palestine, desecrated the temple, and then tried to destroy all of the Hebrew scriptures. In fact, he commanded that no, uh, no person is to read the scriptures, and that the scriptures were found in any house of the Hebrews, the house was to be burned. But it didn't destroy the Word of God. The Word of God abides forever. And when you get to uh, New Testament times or the centuries that followed New Testament times and the time of Diocletian, the Roman emperor, 
Diocletian sought to destroy Christianity. And if you want to destroy a religion, you take away its holy books. And so he, he gave an a, a ultimatum that the scriptures were to be burned and not to be found anywhere. In fact, he even erected a monument to what he thought was the last word, the last scripture that was to be found in the Roman Empire. In modern times, there was a French philosopher by the name of Voltaire. Voltaire was an atheist. He did not like the Bible. In fact, he made a prediction. He made this prediction that after my death, 100 years after my death, the Bible will be nothing but a museum piece. And exactly 100 years after the death of Voltaire, a Bible publishing company, printing company, was founded in the same house where he made that prediction. The Word of God abides forever. There are, did you know that the Bible, even in modern times, the Bible is the most banned book? It has, you can find a list of the ten most banned books, and the Bible is right up there at the top. Even in 2021, in various segments of society, the Bible is banned. But human beings can ban the Bible, you can burn the Bible, you can put out edicts against reading the Bible, but the Bible still stands. It is the Word of God and abides forever. Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven, the psalmist said. And Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but My Word will stand forever. The Word of God established. But people still engage in trying to destroy it. People still engage in shredding the Word of God, tearing it piece by piece and throwing it into a furnace and thinking that they have succeeded. But the Word of God abides forever and forever. And it stands today, still one of the most popular books to be read today, but still widely rejected and banned and shredded today. So take heart, my dear Christian friends, regardless of how hot the persecution may come and whatever edicts may come through our own dear country one of these days about the Bible. Just remember, it will stand forever. O oh Lord, thy word is settled forever in heaven. School teachers may not be permitted to display the Bible on their desk for fear of being unconstitutional. The Bible may be forbidden to be read in Congress. The Bible may be forbidden to be read in public places, tax-supported places, but the Word of God is settled in heaven and will never, never be completely destroyed. Je Jehoiakim couldn't destroy it, and Di Diocletian couldn't destroy it, Antiochus Epiphanes couldn't destroy it. Voltaire's prophecy did not come true. And I'm telling you, the Word of God still exists today and copied and thank God for the freedom we have to print this good book today. So, the story of shredding the Word of God, Jeremiah 36. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of First Importance. We invite you to check out our other sermons on this podcast and to join us in person on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m., as well as streaming live on Sunday mornings at 10.45. We hope to see you soon at First Baptist West Memphis, where we love God, care for one another, and share the gospel.